Recorded during the Plague Year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute. Each week we get together to talk about the all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Jeremy Sternhagen, and I co-host The Real Jaws Minute with my friend... Tyson Ferris. Hey, thanks for thanks for coming on again, guys. Uh, and we're back in we're back in the '70s, as can be told by the teletypes and the hairstyles and uh, those uh, those damn hippies in the living room. Uh, it's uh, I hear these minute by minute podcasts about '70s movies are going to really take yeah, off. Yeah, they're 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 very very popular. It, it seems yeah. to be it's it's, it's catching on thing. It's all, all the young kids like them, you know. Yeah, we're uh, we're deep in the uh, universal backlot. It's funny watching this because based on the 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 view that uh, dear Mrs. Stone gets out of the uh, the front door of that house, she's in uh, the the Cleaver home, Wally and Wally's uh, Wally Beaver's home, uh, just across the street from the recently revamped Munster's house. I was going to ask you that very question. I, I was going to say it's the it's the same street as uh, uh, the Burbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> if that if there wasn't already a minute by minute for the Burbs, I would probably have Tyson and I probably would have claimed that. Yeah, yeah, a great a great film to to watch all this stuff. And uh gosh, the 70s are just in full display here with the uh the white everything from the carpet to the curtains to the drapes to the mantelpiece to the even the artwork on the wall is just the the right shade of uh beige. Yeah. Fun, something <laughs> funny that I've always noticed in movies is you tend to look at movies as though they were made in the year they came out like 72 but if you think about it most people's fashion senses and the cars and all the decor would be more heavily placed you know five years prior to that because yeah. people aren't automatic you know oh it's 1971 we gotta we gotta repaint our our living room and buy a brand new car yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally it always feels a little bit older than it is uh i do uh, i'm very envious of those pocket doors they look really cool um very difficult to maintain but the, it looks it looks good and uh i I, I'm really just impressed that they could fit a pocket door going to the right side of the house because that seems like it would pop out the front of the house. I know we've kind of we've kind of jumped halfway through this minute, but uh, the first half of this minute was more teletype machine, if you yes. can believe that. And yeah. one thing I wanted I was gonna talk about it in the last ep- last episode, but uh, I saved it for this one. Is so watching this movie, I'm a big Robert Wise fan, and the movies of his that I've seen the most. Uh, are all the big hits, you know, of course, Sound of Music and uh, West Side Story and then The Haunting, but also another movie of his that I love and I'm a defender of is the very first Star Trek movie that he directed. Ah. Uh, And that movie is famous for its extremely long takes, uh, particularly the first reveal of the Starship Enterprise. Um, Yeah. And uh, I knew this movie was directed by Robert Wise. I feel like that's a skill he uh, he started polishing uh, on right this in film. this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and that's, that's that's where I was going with this is that as this teletype played out forever, I'm like, oh, this is Robert Wise doing that thing. Yeah, yeah, can't you're, cut you're, away. Yeah, he even gets to the part where you know they've finished the message, and oh, by the way, this is the end of the message. This is where the end of the message is, and here's the, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he did everything but show the disclaimer that would you know <laughs> he printed out. There. Uh, um, Another podcast I love, uh, James Bonding with Matt Gorley and Matt Moira. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> something they, they discuss frequently on all the old James Bond movies, particularly the Connery era, is just how they, you know, uh, the joke they make is, oh, this is the 60s. If someone was flying or walking, they filmed it. 
Yeah, it's and that leave, leave nothing to the imagination, or don't let the don't let the audience tie things together in their head. <coughs> it's yeah, it's um, it's terrifying, and and I I do like the I mean that's it's from the book, but saying that all the citizens were placed on Z Kappa status, we don't know what that is. It sounds mysterious and official, so we'll have to trust them yeah. on on that. Um, yeah, do do we have any theories on that? Uh, I'm thinking Zed is toward the end of the, you know, it, it's like it's it's some it's Zed would be the it's the English word for Omega. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming that they're saying this is, you know, the utmost, the very end of something. And there, maybe there's a Zed Omega status that Major Manchek has. But mm-hmm. uh, Zed Kappa seems like it would be really high up the chain, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, so when th- when this first came, when I was watching the first uh, i mean it was my second time watching the film but uh just for this uh, these minutes uh uh the first time i was like i i thought this was like a write up of like people that died in the town that's oh, what i okay. thought too yeah and and then only on uh when i was doing it for the minutes here uh did i notice oh these these are all our characters yeah um, and I thought those were ages next to their names. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, Ruth Lee Levitt was a, was a little kid, you know, but then yeah. I was like, there's a 142 year old man named Mark Hall, you know? And so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to figure out, is that the score, uh, as we're, we come up later on, they talk about the, uh, odd man hypothesis and I was trying to figure out, like they said, the least, if you if you we're, that's going to be brought up in a later minute, but the odd man hypothesis is who's who's the best one to make decisions about it, and apparently it's an unmarried man. Yeah. And uh, uh, the least the least efficient is a single woman, and mm-hmm. and so Ruth only scored four on the uh, odd man hypothesis, so oh, she's the least capable. That's, uh, I see. That makes sense. That, that's my that's my rough guess. People um, with the most to lose have the lowest score. Yeah, yeah. And, Boy, and uh, that, that hypothesis hasn't really uh, aged well. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard, and, you know, it, as it was made of whole cloth, it just, ouch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, the weird thing is that this is kind of a cast call because as we're going to go over in the next, like, five to ten minutes, we get to visit all these characters that they've posted, uh, with the exception of poor Alexander Kirk, who had a, a appendicitis. Um, we go, we visit them in the order that they appear on this uh, on this screen, and it's it's a little too on the nose. But um, so then the the top secret clearance is reconfirmed for Stone. What's that yeah. about? Well, I think, and this doesn't they 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 kind of touch on it slightly here, but they talk about it more in the book. Uh, Stone knows a little bit more about this whole project wildfire than, than okay. he lets on. And, gotcha. and the things, and, and as we see later on with um, pictures of bio war maps and, and stuff that there was, is more than just the air force that was involved in this. It looked like the CIA was involved, maybe uh, the NSA and you know, just the dirty tricks things that they were looking for a, you know, a little bit too timely. It's like, is this a conspiracy theory type virus that they were looking for the perfect uh, bio weapon to use against enemies. And uh, he may have known that the only way that he got money uh, for this particular project is that, well, it can help you with uh, bio-warfare and figuring out how to, uh, how to attack another country with uh, microbes. So uh, that, but that isn't, they don't really talk about it that much. And Wise seems to 
completely ignore that aspect of it except for one conversation that comes in about yeah, about an hour and a half in this movie. Um, but it's it's hinted at here, and I, I keep wondering. I've I've looked for earlier drafts of things. And I'm sure there. I can't visit right at the moment, but I'm sure that the uh, the Academy of uh, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has earlier drafts of this script. Um, I keep thinking there's there must be like another twenty to thirty minutes of script that's been left out for the you know just for time considerations on the movie or budget considerations. Um, yeah, you're probably it, right. I mean, this movie feels like I. If, I, I really, really want to know what the studio... I mean, obviously, the studio greenlit this movie and wanted it to happen, but I just can't imagine what the execs thought when they saw this, the first cuts or even this cut of the movie going like, huh, what do we this have was, here? This was an expensive film, too. Yeah, like, and considering there are no stars in this movie. I mean, they're all like, you know, these are... Like, yeah. that, the woman that's here, Mrs. Stone, Susan Brown was in... Uh, she was in a bunch of soap operas. She's like Days of Our Lives and... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I when I was a kid, my mom used to watch a show called Bright Promise, and she was the she was the main character on the uh, on the soap opera Bright Promise. It was just kind of, and I remember as a kid seeing this in the movie theater. It's like, oh, that's that girl from the soap opera, and, and it just it she was the only recognizable face. Everybody else is kind of like you saw them on like we said before, like on Banachek or on the Name <laughs> of the Game or something like that. Um, and you know, I think that might have been the biggest, even though this this movie was. Uh, a pretty good bo- box of a success. I mean, it had, it had good, a good payoff. But if it had somebody like a Burt Lancaster in it, or if uh, you oh, know some yeah. some big star were playing in these roles, it might have it might have done a little better. But again, I think the anonymity of all these characters uh, helps you focus on the story instead of the people. That seems like a very intentional choice on their part to cast it with mostly character unknown character actors. Yeah, and. And this is this is at the height of uh, I mean as, as at the tail end that that final burst of uh, uh, of activity of using uh, contract players I mean these these people are all pretty much yeah. universal they were on the lot they were they were doing Heck Ramsey and Columbo at yep. the same time so this week you're in a movie yeah, um, yeah all I, these all these people if you look them up they have tons and tons <laughs> of uh, uh, TV credits yep. yeah I got sh- yeah. to shoot Gunsmoke in the morning and Andromeda Strain at night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I've I've said this earlier in in the show that uh, uh, David Wayne, who plays um, Charles Dutton, was so happy to be in a real movie instead of just being on TV shows <laughs> that he was he was scheduled on another Universal Television show with Larry Hagman called The Good Life. He was going to play a millionaire who hires Larry Hagman as a butler, and uh, he was so pleased at being in this movie that he asked that the millionaire's name be Charles Dutton like it wasn't so he's known as Charlie Dutton in uh, in his TV show because he thought <laughs> it was it was like finally I've hit the big time um, and uh, yeah yeah I, I can understand that it's like this this must have been a great payday for for all these folks yeah i'd imagine most of the budget is tied up in just the the sets that they built for the yeah. the latter half of the movie and just you can tell that every shot in this movie they didn't just show up that morning and you know, shoot what they had. Like, there's complicated setups. Almost every shot in this movie has some degree of complexity to how they're setting it up. And at uh, in the latter half of this minute, it's perfectly exhibited by one of the most seventy things, seventies things possible, and that is a split diopter shot. Yeah, yeah. And this this film is loaded with split diopters. I mean, yeah. we're watch, we're watching that the two guys are are in in focus in in the foreground, and just in the back, also in focus, is that guy who seems to think it's a great idea to take up sentry duty in the middle of a public street. 
Yeah. <laughs> Under a spotlight. Yeah. 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 Pre- and it's protecting not just a split... the car, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, not just a split diopter. It's a, a double pr- double split diopter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That must have that must have cost extra rental from uh, Todd A.O. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I it, like it's weird. I understand. I mean, for the purposes of the plot, you have to understand the severity of what's being asked. But I, I don't understand why the, the MP guy has to go, or we'll go get him, ma'am. Like you know, it, that that not too hidden threat that this is you know your yeah. your, your husband well, that, is ours now. I don't want to throw the movie under the bus, but if if the movie has kind of one one aspect, it leans a little hard into is and is that characters over embellishing severity of situations that we as the audience already know how severe the situation is but they just every line kind of leans into that like if this goes wrong you know this yeah. is going to be so bad like and that that gets repeated many times throughout the movie well you know it, it's funny watching this at, at the same time we're doing this i'm also recording the apollo 13 minute and <laughs> they seem to chime on that note a lot in there like if you know if this doesn't happen then we're never getting home if this doesn't and yeah, it, yeah it's it's weird how it has this heritage of you have to keep telling the audience to panic um well and it, mrs stone she's kind of she's like really she doesn't seem like the brightest bulb to be married to a scientist <laughs> to me. Like she's like overly concerned with these guns, but they're like military. It's like, why wouldn't they have guns? You know, it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's part of the reason I brought it up. I don't know if that's part of them trying to show that this is dire straits because they have guns or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's a different world. This is, he's, he works at Berkeley. So this is somewhere in, you know, San Francisco area. And uh, I don't think she sees people, you know, marching at you know, port arms and things like that. She doesn't, she doesn't fully understand the how deeply involved her husband is in this line of work. Is that yeah, kind it, of what we're it, led to believe? And it's it's really peculiar how little how little does Stone tell his wife about what his other jobs are when he's doing these things. I mean, you'd think that they'd at least clue her in on on stuff that he's been working on for. Wildfire didn't spring up overnight. It started in 1969. So he's been work for the past two years. He's been working on this project, and you know, God knows how long before that, before they ever built the thing, um, he may have been a consultant with the CIA or with the NASA for you know a decade before. Yeah. So she she must know that he has military types talk you know that he's talking to them or and, and he could have at least clued her in a little bit of I may have to go away someday if things get bad but this is you know we should expect this kind of stuff. Um, she she is as we find out later um, that she's a bit of a social climber. She's the daughter of a senator, and she married this guy who's the chair of something at Berkeley. So she has a certain social status that she likes keeping up that's why she's having these little you know she's having these little faculty get-togethers at her yeah. house this all kind of reminds me of the universe building that goes on in like tom clancy novels and tom clancy movies where just the audience is supposed to be just at rapt attention with this you know the comings and goings of military people and and the military relying on kind of non-military experts yeah yeah they contract everything out and yeah. uh it's uh when when duty calls you just drop drop your canapes and, and get 
Get on yes. a bus. <laughs> yeah. um, if, if, if this movie was targeted at any demographic, I, it feels like maybe it would have been, you know, your average teenager or a 20 year old male of the time who just fantasized about someday armed guard, you know, armed yeah. military is going to come to my door and go, we need yeah. you. Yeah, if you're the only one that can, you're, you're our last best hope. Yeah, there, there's a bit of a war games uh, about it, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And not that it's a bad thing. I mean, it's it is. It, it, this is a great a great little it's, fantasy. Like, yeah. mom will find out someday that I'm really important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously you have like you know Doctor Strangelove preceding this, but I, I you know I was kind of trying to think. This movie is kind of like the prototype of so many you know Tom Clancy and and other you know movies like that that followed it and i'm trying to think if there was a movie before this that really embraced the the technic the yeah, technical well, side of things that isn't science fiction you know like, yeah i mean you, like colossus the forward project but that's definitely science fiction um yeah and there are you know there are thrillers like this like you know the manchurian candidate and stuff yeah. like that where where you're getting or seven days in may that's another one where mm-hmm. yeah there you go yeah, um, so, science fiction uh, presented as science fact yeah exactly so you get that you get that just unease that these people, you know, there are uh, rough men with guns protecting your freedom. Uh, even though if, if you dig a little bit into this, it's like, these are the guys that caused the problem. Yeah. So <laughs> could have left space well enough cleaning, alone. Cleaning up their mess. The movie. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I can even see like, uh, uh, like three days of the condor taking uh, some of their things from this movie you know um i think that comes after this yeah yeah that's yeah. uh 74 so yeah, yeah, yeah. Within, within the same time frame but but yeah I, I can see like even i can even see andromeda's influence like on that movie you know oh um, for sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or um another one would be uh alan pacula's uh the parallax view ha- mm. has that oh. has that feel too so you've got all this uh conspiracy stuff and, and secret government organizations so it's all just chew- chewing the chewing the same uh piece of those yeah. movies would all sit next to each other on your shelf of your movie collection. Yeah, yeah, the the thriller, thriller action, seventies techno thriller. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's kind of the opposite of Shaft. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, these people, they're like in 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 Shaft, everybody on the street knows what's going on. The police are clueless, and in this one, the the you know the authorities are keeping everything from from all those folks that are standing in. Um, Mrs. Stone's living room. Yeah. Um, I Every, I wonder about everything the, is espionage. Everything yeah. Is, is concealed in a shroud of mystery. I, I keep wondering about uh, Stone. We find out later on we'll be having flashbacks and stuff of people who put this together, and uh, other people that he worked with. But apparently, it's nobody that Stone uh, socializes with because no, none of them are at the part. I'm trying to figure out the purpose of this party. It's sometime like the January, February time frame of 1971. Are they celebrating and, his government grant? Yeah. Like uh, a that's, little, just a little get together. Yeah, that, that, that could be it. I mean, we can, we can talk a little bit more in the, in the next minute about where, where those other folks are, but it's just, it, I'm trying to figure out they're pretty dressed up. So it's obviously maybe they had, a, is it a cocktail party? Is it, it's, it's very and there's there's two kids there's you know your typical um, your hippie kid with the vest who I'm assuming is like a a grad yeah. student who's his TA. That was the first thing I noticed is what an eclectic group this is. You have you know older people in suits and younger people in vests. Yeah, and then yeah. That young woman has like a kind of a '60s floral uh, dress on. Just, yeah, it's all yeah. over the map. 
yeah, there's the mini skirt on the on the floor. And she's on her knees, and the other ones are sitting in chairs. So it's yeah, it's it's an odd group, but apparently he appeals to both young and old, and that's that's who he mixes it up with. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just. Uh, uh, there's so many questions. You just the, this this is the kind of movie that you just want to jump into the screen and just start interviewing people. Who are you? Why are you here? What What are you doing here? Where, why did they stone? Why are the stones your friends? Or is there, do you feel that this was going to improve your social life? Or what? You know what what's happening? I think that as we said earlier, deliberately boring. And I think maybe a better description would be in every scene they're going like, how can we make this? How can we present a lot of questions that we aren't going to answer? And I say that as a compliment, like yeah. just to make no, it. No, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this just makes it. It feels lived in, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like it's the beginning of a commercial for like you know uh, Maxwell House coffee or Gino's pizza rolls, and they're, they're they're about to you know. Oh, I didn't know you had these Gino's pizza rolls. Let's stay. You know that kind of thing. It looks it looks like a commercial, yeah. except for the you know the troops that show up at the end. Um, I challenge but, you, Jim, to make one of those uh, movie trailers <laughs> that completely changes the tone of the movie, and you can turn it into a like a a lightweight kind of family drama. Uh, that may be that may be something to do. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look at that. This is yes, I'll I'll ponder that one. But yeah, it it has that whole feeling like she's just going to open the door and there'll be you know all the Domino's guys here. Um, but yeah, <laughs> they, have wait, they have to wait for that to be invented first. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, just a very another good. I think this. If you're going to go in and take a uh, a core sample of this movie, this would be a good minute to pull out because you've got equal parts paranoia and uh, regular life being interrupted by the the fantastic and 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 unexplained, and uh, and then seventies nondescript. Uh, I've seen that face before on TV uh, characters. So just a. A nice, a nice little movie, uh, minute. So uh, anyway, let's let's come back uh, as we'll finish out the week uh, with this next minute as we get more into finding out what these uh, nice uh, Air Force officers want, and also finally meeting the star of the show or one of the stars of the show. Uh, but he'll be he'll be coming up in the next minute. Uh, for folks who want to talk back about this movie, if you've got some thoughts about Gino's pizza rolls or uh, wearing a hippie vest to a nice formal party, be interested in hearing from you. Go reach out to us on social media at. Uh, uh, Project Wildfire on Facebook or Andromeda Minute on Twitter. And uh, I'm not going to bother you with all the, you know where to find us on uh, AndromedaMinute.com uh, and all the other typical places where you get your um, where you get your fix of podcasts. Um, but guys, where can uh, people find you and your fabulous Real Jaws Minute? Well, they can just uh, use their Googles to search the Real Jaws Minute, and that will point you towards Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all the usual places. And they can also find us on Facebook. Just search for the Real Jaws Minute Facebook group, and uh, there's some scintillating Jaws conversation going on over there. Definitely. Wow. Well, uh, okay, well, let's get, let's get back together on, uh, on Friday and talk some more about this film. Uh, in the meantime, please stay six feet apart from each other, wash your hands, and uh, we'll get all through this together, uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> uh, but we'll see you here next time on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here. <laughs>